Hi, I'm Adam. And I'm Rob. And welcome to episode 40 of the Stream Bucket Podcast. Yes, episode 40. What a time. What a time to be alive. What a time to be alive. May you live in interesting times. That's yes. really bits in the arse, isn't it? Mm, it has bitten in us, in, in artists' us. <laughs> it's taken away my ability to speak. Oh no, your tongue's swollen. <laughs> yes. The world is in a fun place, isn't it? It is the most crazy thing to happen since World War II. It's, yeah. It's meant more mental than 9-11. And there's a very good possibility we're going to be locked in this room. Yeah. This very sealed container for a year? Nah. At that point, I, wrote, I don't know if I'd last... I don't know if my, like, honour lasts that long. I think after, like... 20 weeks I'd go insane and then I'd join the gangs and the, the cannibals <laughs> it's already started we can hear sirens yeah there's crazy crazy stuff going on but we don't want to panic anyone obviously obviously but it's an interesting time start strapping on your raider gear there's um I know you hate Harry Potter yeah I'm just gonna there's a bit in like the, the, the sixth and the seventh books it starts to go like no one can go outside because they're scared of the death eaters and Voldemort's people so everyone stays inside and everyone's well behaved and they don't want to get in trouble for doing anything. Yeah. Is that where we're headed, where we have to sneak out for food when we can, get in by night time because when all of the, the others come out and start <laughs> coming for us? Yeah, I think so. I think you might be right. Although I imagine night time might be safer. Do you think? Well, they can't see you then. They can't see you. But we can't see them. Yeah, wow. That's the risk you gotta make. Yeah, but we're not gonna be all doom and gloom about it. We're gonna be glass half full. Right, Adam? Yeah! I always wanted to try human flesh. Yeah, yum, yum, yum. (laughs) The thigh's gotta be the best part, right? Bum. Bum. Always bum. Rump steak. Rump steak. So, yes, we're obviously talking about the ongoing coronavirus. That's afflicting the world. Yeah, we can't not talk about it because so much... I mean, movie news, the way that is going to go, coronavirus has completely changed everything. So we have to talk about it. We're sorry. Yeah, I mean, you might be sick of it by now, but it's it has caused a, a ripple in the movie industry, including our own movie industry, our homegrown... Yeah. So, we were due to have a Quaggers premiere on the 22nd of May. At the Queen Mother Theatre in Hitchin. Uh, and for no fault to them or anyone, it's been cancelled. Well, postponed. Yeah. Cancelled is probably a bit too harsh to say. It will happen eventually, but yeah, not as we predicted. Yeah, so um, what I would say at the time being is keep your eyes on our social media outlets because there might be something being done yeah we're working on some ideas to get it out there because i think it's ready now it's ready and it's it needs to be seen now we've been talking about it since more or less the beginning of our time uh, broadcasting to you guys so yeah you're probably right yeah i think maybe we're 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 not gonna make you wait that much longer and then you all know how bad it is and judge us accordingly um yeah and then (laughs) drop us move on with your lives Yes, but anyway, yeah, so uh, we've got a few things lined up. Um, the main undoomy gloomy thing is, of course, your film pick. Yes, 
Yes. So last time Rob picked the random word challenge. Yeah. So you went away and you picked. I I picked rat race. Yeah. Two thousand and one. Two thousand and one. I picked it because, and it's a Zucker Brothers movie. Yeah, actually, completely didn't realise that. And uh, you know, I was thinking of challenge movies like Battle Royale and Hunger Games, are a bit challengey, but they're also just Blair. They're also just Blair. Yes. Rat Race is a fun, fun film with a horde of A-list wonders, and I thought this might be something a bit brighter in this time of darkness. It's a film I hold quite close to my heart. Yeah, me too. So yeah, and I have, and luckily, I had it on VHS. Rare, a rare treat. We got to watch VHS. <laughs> um. Other than that, I mean, we'll get onto that later. Have you been watching anything else? Uh, I took uh, people, yourself included, uh, Charlie Brooker, my friend Steve, have been trying to get me to watch The Wire for, for years and years and years. And finally, I got into it, and it's absolutely incredible so far. It is taking a while to build, um, yes. but you've got two sides and they're not they're not really necessarily good or evil and there are times when the police so you've got the detectives and the police and the homicide department mm. and then you've got the gangsters running around in the projects yes 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 um, however the police are often doing things that are much more evil than what the gangsters are doing they're pistol whipping kids and blinding them in one eye so far I've seen and where there was really no need to where you've got the gangsters one of them who's got a quite checkered and dark past is actually trying to encourage and educate fellow drug pushers that they don't have to be really nasty to the meth heads who are picking mm. up on them. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. can actually treat them like human beings instead of like, you know, pieces of trash. So it is it has so many levels to it. I'm so excited for you to get into the series proper. I, I cannot wait, yeah. It really kickstarts. Oh no, it's, yeah, it's fantastic. And You're it's gonna got- have a whistle tune in your head. I'm gonna hear you whistling. Really? It's going to give me shivers. Oh, I yes. guarantee it. It's got just the right level of swearing. It's just got, it's got the right balance of characters and grittiness and humour. It's very funny. It is very funny. My That's one of my favourite catchphrases is from The Wire. Oh, yeah? Which I can't possibly say on there. Okay. What the, did I do? Have you come across that? No. Okay. All right. Main character always gets the blame and his response is... Did I, do? <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, yeah, no, looking forward to hearing more. I might have to borrow it. Have you got all of them? I've got all of them for £15. Oh, I might have to borrow the second series because no. I can't remember if I saw it or not. No problem. Not the whole way through anyway. Yeah, cool. Nice. What about you, mate? What have you been watching or what have you been playing more like? Well, well, well. Uh, I did manage to get to the cinemas before they all shut down. Right. Uh just a note as well for the show the reviews that were going to be in this show are not the films I was going to review because they're a bit old and outdated now but they were the only films I managed to get to see so they are going to be there right in this show but yes what have I been doing I've been playing Doom Eternal so you've been harping on about this release for months and months I realised I pre-ordered it a year ago Holy crap. <laughs> I didn't even know you could do that. That's... Well, it, it got because it got pushed back. I think it was supposed to come out around Halloween. Right, okay. Last year. So, yeah, it, now it's just come out. Oh. Yeah? Oh. It's so good. I mean, it's very fast-paced. I've got it on a quite a high difficulty setting, just saying. Because I'm extreme. Uh, uh, 
and the difficulty curve is quite bad. Right. I was stuck on the same bit for ages, but now I've got past it. Oh, it's fantastic. Well, that's very. It's so violent and exciting and metally and bloody and and also it's got a weird thing because it, it throws you into the story halfway through. Right. So the main action's already happened. You're now cleaning up. Oh, really? That's so. You turn up and there's ruins and burning and lava and hell. Hell has come to earth. Um, and then you just look down a ravine and you see like a giant mech suit that's been deactivated during the process of stabbing a giant demon in the heart. And you look at these things and you go, oh my god. That's sick. That it's really, visually it's really interesting. I was going to say, that picture you sent me, the, the colours look so 90s colour sort of tinged. Oh yeah. Very vibrant purples and things like that. I was a bit worried it was taking itself too seriously until I uh, unlocked an area in my... You've got like a space station that's in orbit of Earth and this is your base. Mm. They call it the Fortress of Doom. <laughs> anyway, it, it was taking it also really seriously, and then it opened a new thing, and it's the Doomslayer's Nerd Chasm. What? So it's all really like it's like a cathedral, and it's all really important and blah. But then you go into this one room, and it's full of comics. It's full of pun-titled magazines and books. It's got guitars up on the wall in different sort of demon shapes. It's got a 90s computer where presumably you can play Doom, the original one, when you've unlocked so many things. Whoa. It's got toys. It's so like, it's just really empty pizza boxes. Oh, amazing. <laughs> it's like, oh, oh, okay. It's a nerd. I'm playing <laughs> a nerd. And it's, it's just quite funny. And stupid things like uh, when you kill a baddie, glory kill, you do something ridiculous, and that gives you help. And one of the glory kills, one of the easiest glory kills to the easiest villain, you just bonk it on top of the head and its head goes into its chest. Amazing. And makes us a really satisfying... Uh, I can't even do the noise, actually. Like a pop. Brilliant. Uh, yeah, it's awesome. And there's one bit where they, you pull the eyeball out of the demon and it goes... Amazing. And also, uh, interestingly, it reminds me of Quaggers. What? There's means when you go into a like film? a yeah, you go into like a flesh cave, and it's all fleshy and bulbous and got boils and stuff, and the floor's covered in purple slime and there's tentacles. Ah, that's amazing. So we're obviously tapped into the same resource here. It's quite interesting. But yes, love it. Doom Eternal is awesome. All right, cool. Well, glad you're enjoying it. Yes. Uh, should we get on with it? Yeah, we've been talking for ages. Cool. Green Bucket, Adam and Rob. Hello, good evening, and remain indoors. <laughs> this is the quiz broadcast, coming to you every Friday, the same day as your food parcels. <laughs> so chow down on a protein fudge, take whatever injections are recommended in your sector, and prepare to enjoy the show! <laughs> So, Rob. Yes. We are being told to stay inside, to self-isolate, and to not go on the outside world. And genuinely for us, this could well be a 12-week situation. Yeah. Yeah, we've got vulnerable people in the in the Hollowdale Manor. Yeah, so we need to we need to look after them, and that means we've got to be responsible. Yes. Yes, responsible. That's an interesting term, isn't it? <laughs> 
Is it very, very responsible? Not doing anything. Not going to the pub or no hanging around with friends. No, hmm. can't do that anymore. <laughs> Definitely not. It's, I have to make a point as well. We were watching, having a little premiere for Rat Race, which we discussed coming up, and we had to stop the film uh, two or three times because of emergency supplies being brought by your family. Yeah, that was weird. And it happened again. My family (laughs) have been very nice and they've been bringing me care packages. My brother, Matthew, has given me his PS4, um, which is the most wonderful thing anyone's ever done. Um, yes. And also the enti- an entire tropical country's worth of fruit. <laughs> I have oranges, I have apples, I have grapes, I have bananas, I have grapefruits pouring out of the cupboards <laughs> in our kitchen now. You've got uh, several loose custard creams. Several loose custard creams. Baked quilt tarts. Well, you did have to turn away the already peeled boiled eggs though, didn't you? And the stew. <laughs> Which was delicious. I had to reluctantly put... We don't have a microwave and it still annoys me. We don't need one. This is, no. You're like... this is. I move in and Adam and Josh are like, Oh, we're not microwave people. Who do you, what do you think we are? And I'm like, what? Every, everyone's a microwave person. Everyone has a microwave. Where's it going to go? Anywhere. Oh, anywhere. <laughs> in the bath. In the <laughs> cupboard. In the fridge. I don't know. We need somewhere to put the microwave. The only time the microwave situations come up is when your parents bring food round. Yeah, because I would buy more microwave <laughs> things. I I have to mix things around in a pan to heat them up. And sometimes they go all squishy because you squish them. <laughs> and you, sometimes you just need to microwave. Anyway, my point being, not everyone's as lucky as Rob to have people just drop food round and washing and all sorts of nonsense. My family, where the hell are they? No, they don't, they don't care about you. No. Well, half of them are in isolation. And they actually are locked away as well. Rob, of, Rob's of... family. Look, <laughs> we've got a system in place where they leave a bag on the outside of the door and then they leave and then I grab it before any thieves come. They know you've got a job though, don't they? Yeah, but they've just been a caring family, mate. It's disgusting. Yeah, it's great, isn't it? Ugh. Anyway... <laughs> We um we want you guys we're we're creatives and all that. We can sometimes if we really put our minds to it, we can transport our brains to a place that helps us pass the time lucratively. Yeah, there's nothing worse than if you are stuck at home to just be stuck at home. Yeah. To be conscious of the fact you are locked in a room and can't see the sunshine outside yeah and it's all good if like you've got games to play and films to watch but eventually you're going to get sick of doing that so we kind of want to help you uh think about what else you can do to like enjoy your time inside especially with summer coming yes absolutely so we are obviously creatives ourselves and i i know speaking for myself i get very twitchy if i don't do something productive yeah every day um not that's not the same for everyone um but it's about mindset, and I think when you're stuck inside, especially, or st- or even stuck in a bad job, this is kind of where a lot of my in- my discipline comes from. Just being bored at work, um, and just putting your mind to somewhere else, and thinking about that and developing that hmm. is key to keeping yourself sane, and maybe ending up with something to be proud of at the end of it. 
Absolutely, definitely. So, with that in mind, Rob. Yep. You probably do more prose writing than me. Yeah. How do you get yourself in that space? Well, I've talked about the Roald Dahl video on YouTube before where he gets himself into his ultimate comfort. He's got his um, he's got his special really comfy chair. He's got his little tray in front of him with his pencils lined up perfectly. He's got his cup of cocoa or tea or whatever it was in, in his perfect room. He basically makes a perfect mental temple for him to like be able to get into a creative sense of flow and maintain that creative sense of flow to the extent that he can knock out 2,000 words or 5,000 words or whatever. Mm. So the first thing you do if you want to get down to uh, some form of creating and it involves you sitting in a room with your own thoughts for several hours and writing or drawing or whatever is you make yourself as comfortable as possible and you make yourself the room around you um, encourage mindfulness so there's no clutter tidy up don't work in mess because it's going to distract you tidy room tidy brain that's what they say isn't it Ugh. I know but it works very merry condo of you it works and then yeah get yourself in a very good healthy upright position don't be slouched down um, and then crack on do you know I've always had not so much recently but I used to have a, a thinking step Right, where was that? Uh, when my flat in uh, in Cainsham near Bristol, there was a step that I would sit on for inspiration. Right. And I used to kind of do it in my parents' house when I was growing up. Mm. The one you would have been to when I was um college. Finding sometimes inspiration, you might have to get away from your desk. Definitely. Oh, yeah. So find that in your house. You might not know where it is yet, but equally you might have a look. Mm. A lot of people have ideas on the toilet, but that's not necessarily the right place. If you've got a garden... Yeah, um, there might be a certain step on the stairs that just lets you get into that brain space. And I think to add on to that, give feed yourself something that's um, like enjoyable. So it's a cup of coffee or a cup of tea. Whilst you, whilst you take yourself away from your creative space for a while, give yourself something to boost your endorphins and be like, ah, yes. Tea, coffee, treat, snack. I find a glass of squash and a coffee... That's my two, yeah. bonk them both down and I can alternate. Yeah. Which is kind of what I do during these records as well. Yeah. Well, that's very good because the double concentrate squash can sometimes have a weird aftertaste, especially <laughs> late on. And a coffee, you've got that bitterness staying in. So that's a good balance out of flavour, I suppose. <laughs> well, very yeah. good. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> um, the other thing as well is don't go mental. If you want to start creating something or being creative... Don't rush it. Pace yourself. I think there's nothing worse than trying to get 15 chapters done in a week. Yeah. Um, this is advice from uh, a writer, video game reviewer that I follow, uh, Yahtzee Croshaw, and also um, Dan Harmon from Community and Rick and Morty fame. Do a page a day. Mm. Do something... If you do a page a day, no more, no less. If you do, if you're desperate to do two pages, just do one page because that desperation's going to hang on to the next day when you might be less energetic. That's hard, though. It is hard, but it's it's really good because if you think about that, if you're in isolation for 120 days, mm. you will get 120 pages done. Yeah, that's a book. Yeah, at least that's three chapters of a very long book yeah but that's one page a day don't even rewrite it don't even reread it just carry on one page a day 
fix it afterwards. I agree with the fix it afterwards part. For me, if I'm in a state of like mental, like crazy flow, I, and I'm like, that's how I got my novel, which I didn't finish, which I, I wrote 65,000 word novel like four years ago. And the only reason I got that done is because I kept going when I was in the state of flow because I was so into it. But I do at the same time see what you mean. Like that's interesting, the point you made about holding on to the enjoyment and the excitement by restricting yourself to one page. Yeah, I mean... I it depends it, on how you... It depends how you want to do it. I mean, yeah. I think I wrote the first draft of Quaggers in a night and that's right. about 15 pages mm. um, because it was just in my head already to go. Yeah. But if you're starting fresh... Right. Page a day. Just do one page. Just mm. chore through it. And I know people who have wanted to write a book for years, years and decades, my mum's included. Uh, this is the time to do it. Just yeah. do a page a day. Yeah. Just get it done. And if you need to flow, then flow. I mean, don't restrict yourself. But that is advice, and it is advice that works. Yeah, definitely. So, yes. Uh, what will you be doing if you're isolated? What's your top project in your head? Me, um, I'm going to buy, I'm going to renew that bloody Microsoft Word subscription and I'm going to get down and write another novel. Oh, I'm going to start another one. But at the same time, here's, here's three things I want to do. Two for me, one definitely for us, is I want to write a novel, I want to write a short film, and I want to create some films. Okay, cool. Those are the three things that I want to, to be doing during our isolation period. Yes. Novel, short film... Um, writing a short film and creating some short films. Yes. Three of us collectively, two of us, whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. What about you, mate? Uh, I am going to finish my ruddy game, my top secret game that I've been working on. Mm. It's on the final stages now. Uh, it's just a case of sitting down and doing it. Um, I have been doing one page a day and it's got me over a hump. Nice. Um, so now I'm on the home stretch now. So yes, getting that finished and probably try and find some artists to finish it up as well. Uh, some short films would be nice. Uh, I'm going to have a plug away at some comic writing as well. Nice. Finish up some old ideas. But yes, find what you want to do, people listening at home, and do it. Now's your time. Agreed. Adam's Film Reviews. Onward, 2020. In times of old, the world was full of wonder and magic. But times change. I'm a mighty warrior. Morning, Mom. Hey, birthday boy. By the laws of yore, I must dub thee a man today. Kneel before me. That's okay. I have a gift from your dad. He just said to give you this when you were both over 16. (gasps) No way! It's a wizard staff. Dad was a wizard. What? Your dad was an accountant. This spell brings him back. For one whole day, Dad will be back. What? Back? Like back to life? That's not possible. It is with this. I'm going to meet Dad. Now, I don't know about you, but even in a period of blanket news coverage about one very specific thing, I find it weird to think that I didn't have a single clue what Onward was. I hadn't even heard of it. That is until I stood outside the cinema, saw the poster and thought, ah, what the hell, 
he'll kill two hours. Hardly the sort of thing I would have expected to say about the latest family-friendly Pixar film. The very same studio behind all the greatest, the most challenging tearjerker films out there. And yet, here I am. Without a single clue what to expect, I took my seat in a near-empty cinema and watched Onward. And it was awesome. Directed by Monsters University's Dan Scanlon, Onward introduces us to a world inhabited by mythical creatures of magic and adventure. Well, sort of. See, magic is all well and good, but it's a little tricky to master, so naturally when electricity was invented, well, magic took a back seat. Fast forward to the relative modern era, and the world looks very familiar to our own. Oh sure, we have blue elves mingling with goblins and centaurs, and yeah, dragons live in people's houses while the feral unicorns eat out of the bins, but really, the world isn't so different to our own. Introducing Ian Lightfoot, an uneasy and reclusive teenager on his 16th birthday. He lives with his mother Laurel and older brother Barley in the town of New Mushroomton, along with their mum's new centaur boyfriend, Colt Bronco. See, Ian and Barley's father died when Ian was just a baby, leaving Barley with only a handful of memories of him. But all is not lost. Now Ian's turned 16, Laurel presents to the two brothers a special package left for them by their father. Inside the wrapping is a magical staff, a rare gem and a letter with the magic words for a visitation spell, promising that by combining the items, the boys will be able to resurrect their father for just one day. Having spent his life reading roleplay game rulebooks, Barley naturally takes his turn with the staff, but it's only when Ian speaks the magic words that the spell comes to life. Ian, it turns out, has the power within him to wield magic, and sure enough, he attempts the visitation spell and manages to summon half of their father before the fractured crystal explodes. With only their father's legs, Ian and Barley set off on a quest to recover a second crystal to complete the spell, and are soon setting off for the mountains in Barley's trusted steed, or van, Guinevere, by way of the mystical manticore for the once in a lifetime chance to meet their father and show them what they have become. What follows is a suburban fantasy adventure with some extremely funny takes on the classic D&D formula. I can't really stress how blown away I am about Onward. For a film that I'd barely heard of, that no one is talking about, Onward plays in the classic Pixar formula with some seriously well-written jokes. In an interesting world that, for what it's worth, is actually brimming with voice talent. Chris Pratt as Barley, as ever, absolutely nails his part. Tom Holland as Ian does a fine job, but there really is nothing to complain about with this film. If anything, I'd go as far as to say that Onward is the boys, but Frozen is the girls. That's not a comment on the audience, more that sisterly and indeed brotherly love can be just as important as finding the one, or even, as in the case in Onward, the love of a parent. Onward is exceptional, and though you can't see it in the cinema now, it will be added to Disney Plus's ever-growing lineup. Is it enough for me to subscribe? No, but it might just tip the balance. Oh, mademoiselle, would you like to have a film discussion? Oh, yes, monsieur. 
I love to have an in-depth film discussion with you, like I do on Scream Bucket. Six strangers are about to be given two million dollars. The chance of a lifetime. First one there keeps it all. It's like a race. He said race. By land. Taxi. By air. I just wanted to say hi to my boyfriend. Did I come in a bad time? By whatever it takes to get there first. Squirrel? Rat Race. Rat Race. Rat Race. 2001. Zucker Brothers movie. Jerry Zucker directed. Um... I remember watching this at the cinema, actually. This was one of the movies that I... You know, certain films stick out to you from the past you remember seeing at the cinema. Yeah. I, I'm i not sure if I did see it at the cinema, but I remember people coming into school and talking about how amazing it was and it was how funny great. it was. It was one of them, um, definitely... I'd been 11 years old when it came out, 12 years old. I remember Amy Smart... Yes, I remember Amy Smart. Because she was, we naughtily got road trip to watch me and my my friends and my brother. And um, Amy Smart. Far too young. I know, far too young for such filth. (laughs) I mean, it's the legendary boner comedy road trip, but Amy Smart, along with uh, Brecken Mayer. Brecken Mayer. Brecken Mayer is one of those faces, not names. I wouldn't have remembered his name. One of those faces that just stand out for me as naughty's comedy. Yeah. Definitely, and all like like a hunky actor as well that just disappeared. He's just gone. Yeah, I don't know great. what the last thing he was in. Who knows? Oh, look at that! That's definitely a Comic Con looking panel there. What's he done? Did that say Escape from LA? What? Oh, he was a surfer in Escape from LA. Wow! No way. Garfield, he was in. Oh, of course, he was Garfield's. Um, it was John owner. Yeah. Oh. That was it. That was the last thing. And now he's faded into obscurity. Oh, TV. Lots of TV. Yeah, loads of TV. Robot Chicken. Oh, because he'd probably be friends with Seth. Um, Seth. Green. <laughs> Seth Green. Seth Green. <laughs> yeah, that yeah. makes sense. Because they're in the movie together. Because they're in Rat Race. Back to Rat Race. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is, <laughs> this is going very well. Right? Fantastically. Adam... <laughs> How does Rat Race begin? Okay, so you've got loads of people. You've got a, a massive ensemble cast. Um, the film begins in a casino in Vegas. Uh, and... What happens before that? The world's longest... Oh, <laughs> the world's longest intro. Yeah. The longest... Seemed to be inspired by, like, uh, Terry Gilliam's Monty yeah. Python animations. Like... Um, the film itself was actually inspired by it's a mad, 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 mad world. Right. Have you seen that? No. Similar sort of farcical race okay. for money. Great. Um, and I think some of the animation probably was inspired by that as well. Although the film itself is very different. Hmm. Um, but yes, after a four hour long introduction um, where we see each of the characters, uh, we yeah we go to Vegas. We go to a casino in Vegas where we've got... Hang on, let's, let's try and remember all of them. So, we've got an Italian tourist, yes. played by Rowan Atkinson. Uh, we've got Whoopi Goldberg, playing a sort of uh, 
estranged mum who's meeting her daughter for the first time after she gave her up for adoption yep. straight away. Uh, we've got we've got as we mentioned Brecken Brecken Mayer who's on a stag do, um, but he's behaving and his his friends on the stag do are trying to encourage him to be naughty, but he's behaving. Yeah, because he's uh, a hotshot lawyer and he's trying to. Keep his reputation intact. Yeah, for the good of his career. Yes. Um, then we've got uh, Cuba Gooding Jr. playing a... Disgraced referee. <laughs> who messed up a f- coin toss in American oh. football. And people are not happy with him. So he's on the somewhat on the run. Yeah. Trying to keep a, lay, a low profile. Uh, we've got Seth Green and his friend Vince... Oh, his I need brother. to look at the thing. Yes, brother uh, Vince Vuluff, yeah, playing the Cody brothers, who are con men. Yeah, they're not very they're not very well to do. Um, Vince is uh, he's got the the tongue piercing and the infected tongue, and so he can't speak properly. Is he done his own piercing? Yeah, so they've got a very funny double act going on where he's going. And Which, he's... As I said in the screening, somewhat reminds me of Han Solo and Chewbacca, yeah. in the sense that you've got a sort of crafty con man and his incomprehensible friend. Mm. Um, we've got the Pear family. Yes, this with, is the, the, the Jewish family. Yes, with John Lovitz playing... Um, the dad, who's the main character we follow from that family, yeah. he's kind of um, opportunistic, bad husband. Yeah, who's he's desperate to go gamble. They're o- the only reason they're sticking. They've diverted to Las Vegas for their once in a lifetime holiday is so that he can sneak yeah. into a casino. <laughs> yes. <Definitely. laughs> um, okay, so they're all in different places in the hotel in the casino, um, and while they're there, they each at some point play a machine, play a one-armed bandit. Mm. And they win a gold coin, uh, which tells them to go to customer services. So each of them are on the way, win this coin, and go to customer services and get directed to a buffet Mm. in a high-class suite um, where they meet Donald Sinclair, played by John Cleese. Oh, this is my favourite trivia we've ever learnt off of IMDb. Um, Why did they find the name Donald Sinclair from, Adam? Well... People may know that Faulty Towers, starring John Cleese, was inspired by a real-life man. When the Pythons were in Torquay, they had this nightmare hotel manager in a nightmare hotel. Um, And the name of that nightmare hotel manager that inspired Basil Faulty was Donald Sinclair. Amazing. How cool is that? So I don't know if John Cleese had involvement in the writing. That's just amazing. Incredible. Uh, Really cool. So anyway, yes, Donald Sinclair is an eccentric businessman. He's uh, madly wealthy, and he has a group of businessmen from around the world um, who he's trying to entertain. Mm. And he's developed the best idea in the world, a horse race with people. Yes. People who can cheat, who can play by their own rules, betray each other. The most entertaining thing in the world. Yeah. And he's quite right. Uh, Yeah, uh, it sounds like a great idea. mm. Um, So each of the people who receive their token is a competitor in a race for $2 million. Yeah, they have to make their way from Las Vegas to Silver City, New Mexico, by any means necessary. In the station is a locker, which they can open with the key. Inside the locker is a duffel bag. Inside the duffel bag is $2 million bucks. Absolutely. And meanwhile, Donald Sinclair rakes in the money from all the bets placed on the, com- the competitors by the wealthy business people. Yeah. Genius. Fantastic. So... 
we have this great scene where he's trying to get them to go. There's only one rule. Are you ready? Here it is. There are no rules. Go. Go. So now when you say go, you mean just go? Uh, b- begin, commence, uh, start moving. Theoretically, you have been racing for about 40 seconds, and so far, Mr. Schaefer is winning because he's nearest to the door. And off they go. They all feel... Some of them are more hesitant than others. In yeah. fact, at the beginning, they're all like, yeah, whatever. Mm. And then... Uh, I'm going to take the stairs. Yeah, yeah, me too. And then they're just racing. They're Smashing stumbling the over the stairs. Yes. Very, very good start to a farce of a film that is amazing. Yeah, it's incredible. So along the way, we've got um, Nick Schaefer. That's the name of our Brecken. That's what I was mayor. just trying to look for. That's the one I was just trying to look for. I was like, where is he? Where is he? So <laughs> Nick Schaefer out of everyone is the one who's like, nah, I ain't racing. I ain't taking part in this. Yeah, to the point he even throws the key in a bin. Yeah. His mind has quickly changed. Well, not quickly. So he runs into Amy Smart's character. Um, what's she called? Tracy Fawcett. Tracy Fawcett. What a terrible name. This is a name that you, you're you desperate for a name and you look around the room and go, hmm, Tracy Draws? No. Yeah. Um, Tracy Poster? Emma Bookcase? Mm. Oh. It's a very Toast of London name, isn't it's, it? it yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. But um, so she's a, a helicopter pilot, and uh, he's um, Mr. Schaefer. Yeah, Mr. Schaefer. He um, he gets talking to her, and you know he, she he learns that she's the only one who can fly because the systems go down. Ah, uh, well, yes, but why are the systems down? Because of the brothers. So everyone, basically, all the people competing have the same idea. They get on the plane. Mm. We've got to go on the plane. We've got to go to. Uh, New Mexico. The Cody brothers uh, are unable to get a ticket, so they decide that if they can't get on a plane, no one's getting on a plane. So there's this big... What do you even call that thing? It's a radar... Radar thing. Dish. Radar dish thing. Spinny radar dish. That obviously tells the planes what's going on with the flights, when to land and when to take off. Mm. They decide to hijack every single flight going in and out of the airport by... Tying their car to the to the radar itself, to well, the dish itself. Well, the idea is to pull it down. Yeah. Reverse the car, pull it down. Yeah. What happens? Instead, the opposite happens, and the spinning dish pulls the car up. Up the tower. Whilst uh, Mr. Bad Tongue... <laughs> yes, Blaine. Blaine. Blaine Bad Tongue. ...is uh, still up there. And then the car is pulled up steadily closer and closer towards him with a screaming Seth Green. This was our first laugh out loud moment. Yeah. It was notable because it's it's steadily funny, uh, 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 yeah. and then just hysterical laugh out loud funny. Yeah, uh, they're screaming. The physical acting is incredible. It's amazing. And apparently, all of these really happened. Yeah, <laughs> there's no like trickery on these shots. Well, that's even later on in the film. There's the scene where um, a man who's who's cons them and taking their key has the key he steals a hot air balloon this is how ridiculous this film is he steals a hot air balloon lifts off into the sky they chase him through a farm field full of cows and at one point Seth Green is running away from the car 
which has been driven by someone stuck in the sea, uh, a stuntman stuck in, like, you know, so yeah. into the sea, with Blaine hanging on the front. And that wasn't trickery. This was what 2001 was like. It was like the Wild <laughs> West. He's running... That's not... That actually happened. He was running away from that car. If he tripped over, yeah. it's up to that stuntman to brake as fast as he could because he just ran him over. And the stuntman instantly could barely see. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. The film is insane. As we see, each of the characters kind of... I think from the airport, they all go their own way. Yeah. But then they start tying back in later on. So, um, Cooper Gooding Jr. is a disgraced ref. He ruined a taxi driver. So, he gets in a taxi. Yeah. He's off on his way. Taxi driver to the airport, in fact. When he realises the flights aren't going on, he gets back in the taxi. Taxi driver recognises him as the ref, so drives him into the desert and leaves him there. Minus his clothes and his shoes. Um, He's only got a a shirt, a vest, and some boxers. Absolutely. So he ends up, because he ties them to his... He takes his shirt and ties them around his feet so he can walk across the desert. He eventually finds his way to to a service station where he finds a coach... Full of I Love Lucy fans. Mm. This is Owen. He's our new driver. Everyone say hello. Hello, Owen. Our next stop is the third annual I Love Lucy convention in Santa Fe, New Mexico. What do you tricks the bus driver into giving him his clothes so he undertakes the role of the bus driver he goes to I need your shirt for the amniotic sack I need your hat for he's the claiming, vagina he's claiming, he's claiming his wife's giving birth uh, and the poor bus driver just gives him everything just out of pure fear of the things he's describing so Cuba Gillian Jr.'s character Owen ends up on a bus full of I Love Lucy fans all doing their best and worst impressions and he just goes mad. Again, we were laughing every time he was on screen because of his facial he's, expressions. He's the best. He's the best in it, Cuba Gooding Jr. He's so <laughs> funny because he, he goes through the worst time He really does. He really does. <laughs> it's just every time he's on screen something bad happens and he reacts to it in the best possible way someone's hair like one of Lucy's hair gets caught catches fire on a cigarette then all the soap <laughs> comes out he's driving in a soap bus and all of the Lucy's are swaying and crying together and panicking and he's just at the front going two million dollars two million dollars um, so we've got Whoopi Goldberg and her daughter yeah um, who they sort of start off okay. They get a rental car, but then they meet a squirrel woman. Yes. Who directs them to a wrong turn where she just outright murders people who don't buy squirrels. Yeah, as in, like, there's a car graveyard of 50 cars there. And, and skeletons fall out. Yeah. <laughs> so they end up stranded. Um, oh, God, there's just so much. But the- <laughs> What's the name of the family? The the John Lovitz family? Oh, the Pear family. The, the Pear family. So we've got uh, mum, dad, son, daughter. Yes. So after... So John Lovitz, he, he hears about it and he needs to trick his family into thinking that it's a job interview because if they know that it's a gamble, they're not going to allow him to go on this trip. Yes. But he, he wants to go on his own. His wife is having absolutely none of it. Reluctantly, he takes them. And after a journey which involves him forcing his own daughter to poo out of a car window, um, 
his wife actually headbutts him in rage and says, <laughs> you're stopping, we're stopping off at the Barbie Museum. Yes, the Barbie Museum. This is, I mean, this is contrived. Yeah. But it's amazing. It's incredible. Because the Barbie Museum is actually the Klaus Barbie Museum. Yes. Herr Klaus, as yeah. in SS German officer, <laughs> Klaus Barbie. Um, so a Jewish family turn up at a neo-Nazi shrine, yep. essentially. They've, you've got these skinheads, um, absolute psychos, describing the two-time ballroom champion, the artist, <laughs> the poet, or whatever else. The butcher of lion. Who's a real person, by the way? Yeah, I didn't. I did not know he was a real person. Ooh. Yeah. So he's an, he was an elite Nazi, was he? This man. Yeah, he was proper Gestapo. Right. And uh, so this Jewish family are stuck in a Nazi museum. A, 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 you know, a Nazi shrine, as you say, and they manage to back out before people, before the Nazis can sort of work out, mm, mm. these guys are Jewish. And they realise that the two brothers have swerved into their story arc and trashed their car. They can yes. no longer drive. Yes. But John Lovitz is really, really keen to get to his job interview. So what do they steal? Hitler's car. Hitler's, Hitler's Mercedes-Benz. <laughs> And that's just the beginning of their nightmare journey. Mm. But later on, they meet, they run into a biker gang. Yes. He, in the best scene uh, possibly ever. Yes. Having got shoe polish on his upper lip. Cigarette lighter in his mouth, which burnt and rendered burns his tongue. In, <laughs> incapable of speaking properly. They then crash the car into a World War II veterans meter. <laughs> In Hitler's car, where he stumbles out and starts trying to explain what happened. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's on the scene to think how someone wrote that scene i can't even begin he's exclaiming (laughs) he's waving his arms around he's yelling but all he can say hitler's actual like strength of the reich arm movements oh it's so fun and then someone's trying to shoot him (laughs) oh god absolute genius yeah yeah (laughs) So, uh, Schaefer, Nick Schaefer, uh, as we say, is stranded in the hotel. He befriends Amy Smart, realises that, sorry, Tracy Fawcett, um, realises that she is a pilot and can still fly and go into New Mexico as well. He suddenly has a change of heart and he decides, I better race. Mm. It's like a fate, destinies awoke me here. So off they go in the helicopter until she... Decides to take a strict detour to her ex-boyfriend, her boyfriend, her current boyfriend, yeah, uh, and finds him cheating. And we realise she's insane. She does not like to be cheated upon. She um, has many weapons at her disposal inside the <laughs> helicopter. First yeah. of all, she begins by 
dropping the helicopter dangerously low and making him pour out of the swimming pool with the the chiti. Mm. And then she circles around and focuses on her his shiny new pickup truck, flinging out crowbars, buckets of paint, and yep. then he drives off in the car. And then there's a high speed chase, which involves this is a ama- this film has some amazing stunts in it. It really does. This like is- we've watched. No actual s- action films that have less stunts yeah. than this. And there's not a sniff of CGI except for maybe some questionable cow bits. <laughs> um, yes. But she is chasing a car down the motorway with a freaking helicopter. And it's, it's really well done. Yeah, it is. And like they, they go past uh, police cars who react like, what? Uh, until the helicopter just crashes, doesn't it? Does she run out of fuel? Something, or maybe she's running it too hard with all the swerving and stuff. Yeah, maybe. I, I was thinking when I was watching it, how would you run out of fuel? But, I mean, this is something that makes this comedy great, is it's a spectacle. It's not just like... Yeah. Like, it, I guess you could put it in the same sort of genre as the likes of Tropic Thunder and maybe the first hangover in a sense of, like, there's big things that happen in the film. Mm. There's stuff to look at. It's, it's not just, like... And it is hilarious. I would argue that it's funnier than Tropic Thunder, and it's definitely funnier than Hangover. Um, oh, without a doubt. Well, it's um, what it is is it. It's a film with big ideas, and they followed through on it. Yeah, they didn't cut back at the last minute. No. Um, like there's some even some effects work with the one person we haven't mentioned yet is the Italian tourist who ends up in a hospital uh, van with Wayne Knight. Mm-hmm. Um. Famously, uh, Newman from Seinfeld, and also Dennis it? Nedry from, from Jurassic, Jurassic Park, Park yeah. uh, who's a fantastic actor, and who's also happened to be organ trafficking. Yeah. Or, well, not trafficking so much, but he is actually delivering an organ, a heart, which they end up playing with, ends up getting chewed up by a dog, and then resuscitated by an electric fence. Like, it just keeps on getting bigger, and you can't see where they've cut back. No. They've just gone, yeah, and then this happens, and then this happens, and then this happens. It's beautifully orchestrated, and the dialogue supports it, because during that scene, um, they're talking about a drifter, and <laughs> you really like get into... I mean, this is you made a really good point during the movie. What if you had a side movie where, instead of that film continuing as normal, Rowan Atkinson and Wayne Knight would go on a hunt for a drifter to kill. Yeah, yeah, it's a whole different film. And to, to cut out a heart to make sure that the heart patient gets the heart he needs to live. But, I mean, that's what it means. It's, it's these ridiculous scenarios which always pay off. Every single one pays off magnificently and hilariously. It's just, yeah, it's a great, great film. It's hard to beat. And I think there probably is an element of nostalgia for us. Yeah. Because we did watch it young. Uh, but it is it it's it's up there. It made us laugh the whole way through, mm. um, and hard as yeah. well. Uh, oh, and then it ends. Now this is probably where it dates slightly. Ooh, it is slightly dated talk here. About Smash Mouth, because they end up in a charity gig, having got the money ish. They end up in a charity gig uh, with Smash Mouth. Yeah, uh, and. Thank God that uh, Mr. Pear's... Oh, what's the kid's name? Is it Harriet? Mr. Pear's son. It's a good thing Jason Pear was there to tell us, Look, it's Smash Mouth! It's Smash Mouth! Uh, and we have Smash Mouth there. Smash Mouth, of course, most people know because they've been memed to death by Shrek yeah. fans. But at the same time, what? Yeah, why? Well, why? 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 Smash Mouth? 
It, and with that one song, which everyone... Yeah, that one, literally know, that, that one, one song. That one song. That one song that most people associate with Shrek, but I always think... It's peg, it's peg with me. Really? I think maybe even no. I think maybe even Rat Race a bit more so because they're so their their presence in the film is just weird. It's really weird, and the whole ending is a little bit weird. You said actually at the end you didn't even like that ending. I didn't. I like. I I enjoyed it this time, and I think I'll take it as it is going forward next time I watch it. But I would like to see an ending where maybe someone won. Or maybe they did ride off in the bus and split the money altogether. Or maybe they found a way to get more money off of Donald Sinclair, but they kept it. I don't, my greed kicked in. Because mm. where some of them are fine, like um, Whoopi Goldberg's daughter has got well, her own of, private jet. Most of them are loaded. They've got good jobs. Well, except for, you know, John Lovett's family are poor. They said this is the only horror yeah. they for. And the so brothers. are the, yeah, the Cody brothers. But that's it. I mean, the rest of them are attorneys and The greedy people. side of me would like to see them gain some... Re- I mean, you could argue that the reward they gain is learning to be a bit more humanitarian and give their money away. They gained generosity. Yeah, that is true. I, I, the only genuinely nice, good person is the Italian as well. He's yes. the only one who's actually not a selfish git. Yeah, he's just full of joy yeah, and happiness. That's literally So really, he probably deserved the win. Hmm. Or you'd put a Italian job. And what's that? Well, in what way? You end up on a bus that's teetering over a cliff. Yes, that would be that would be brilliant. If 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 the Italian job hadn't done that, that would be the <laughs> perfect, it, it perfect really would. ending for that film. It would. I suppose you'd do something like it. Yeah. Like one of them has the money and he's gonna throw it away because it's dirty or something. Mm. And then oh, this is this is the lockstock ending. Yeah. Just as he's about to tip it into the river, he gets a phone call. And it's like, ooh. And then right. the film ends there. Done. I'll just have them all happily throwing their money around. And um, Donald Sinclair gets attacked by... Oh, in- oh yeah. Because they're like, no one won. What do you mean? Why didn't the bets off? All the bets are off, surely. And then, it, yeah, it could all go into chaotic mode. Yes, you also made a good point that Donald Sinclair at the end of the film gets punished a bit too much. Yes, he does. Because he does put on a pretty irresponsible bet for everyone, but he hasn't really done anything. He's given a load of people an opportunity to win $2 million with the odds of one in yeah. six. I would do that in a heartbeat. Yeah, me too. If someone, if you got invited to an eccentric millionaire's penthouse and he said, go, yeah. here's where it is, here's the key, I'd be like, yes, please, thank you. Yeah. No, two, you're right. Two million, or, you know, in this day and age, I guess it'd be two million quid, whatever, like... Yeah, he didn't do anything that wrong, and in, instead they kind of screw him over and make him give away millions and millions and millions and millions of his money. Yeah, yeah. But I guess that's a good thing. Well, it's just... It's of its time, I think. I think now it might be slightly different. Mm. I think they'd probably try and kill him. Like, yeah. It's a, yeah, it's of its time, because this is, of course, 2001, just before the world changed. Yeah. Just Where, before it all changed. Yeah, this is August 2001, came yeah. out. Until. So the sort of class hatred wasn't quite so obvious back then. No. But yes, now if you made it now, Rat Race, you could totally be a horror film. Oh, that'd be great. Can you imagine? Be like, uh, would you rather? Maybe have it in a mansion instead of um, 
the open road and have that two million dollars somewhere in the mansion. They Ooh. have to get fast past saw like traps to get to it. That'd be a good. How far would you go? That'd be a good uh, plot behind a Cluedo film as well. But they have that now, don't they? I mean, they have um, those pain mansions in America. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um, we've waffled on for quite some time. Quite some time indeed, yes. Let's let's stop. Let's get the hell out of here. Rat Race, brilliant. Watch it. Yes. Nick's Game Reviews. Ori and the Will of the Wisps. If you haven't yet played Ori and the Blind Forest, then you must immediately go and play it. Experience that game. A side-scroller with a heart-wrenching story and a frankly astounding game design. Since its release, it has without a shadow of a doubt been my favourite game of this generation. So, imagine how excited I've been waiting for the release of its successor, Ori and the Will of the Wisps. First announced at E3 2017, that was almost three years ago. Three years! Think of everything that has happened since then. Careful though, a lot has happened since January and trying to remember everything before then can cause symptoms of anxiety and despair for even the hardiest of folk. But finally, after what has seemed like a lifetime mixed in with two delays, it has arrived and I couldn't be happier. The developers have made some significant changes to the progression and the general gameplay but nothing drastic. After the success of their first instalment, Moon Studios could have gone down three paths. One, they could have completely changed the game to keep it fresh and interesting, making drastic alterations to everything from the art style to the gameplay. Two, they could have kept everything the same. I mean, people loved it, right? So why change anything? Or three, they could have continued the story of Ori in a natural way allowing his character and the narrative he finds himself in to develop organically. After all, the world and the gameplay would have to grow alongside it, right? They chose option 3. Everything works, the mechanics have been tweaked slightly to allow for better control of Ori, the combat has been expertly fine-tuned to make the Souls-like boss fights feel thrilling instead of eye-wateringly frustrating. The story has moved on refreshingly, not stagnatingly, that is a word. I won't mention anything though in case of spoilers. The world looks somehow even more beautiful than it was before, and that music is still as epic as ever. The moment I switched on the game and that title screen opened, I was excited. The moment the first notes of that theme tune began, a huge smile spread across my face. I mentioned minor tweaks to the progression system, I am talking really minor, it's easier to get through the level and develop Ori's abilities, and as far as I am concerned that is only a good thing, it allows more time to explore the world. Also, to cover the gameplay in a bit more detail, when talking about how they have fine-tuned everything, including the combat, the jumping feels more effective, the powers feel punchier, working your way through each area feels more tactile and gives me the mad impression that I actually have some form of skill. In case you haven't worked it out yet, I love this game. Somehow they've surpassed the excellence of the first game in every way imaginable. Ori and the Will of the Wisps has jumped straight to the top of my games of the generation. It's better than the first one, and I can't stress that enough. Please go and play the first one, and then play this one. If you want a game that will lift your spirits and transport you away from this apocalyptic show we're living through, 
this is the game for you. Hands, sneeze and boots and daisy weapons are lost for the war. Hands, sneeze and boots and daisy just when we need them galore. Hands, sneeze and boots and daisy scuppered by sneezes and snips. So it's hands, sneeze and boots. Crap all the germs in your handkerchiefs. Welcome to Fortnite Schmortnight. I know this is a coronavirus edition, I do apologise for that, but that's what's going on. Things have been stopped because of this virus. Yes. On with the show. Arnold Schwarzenegger has encouraged isolation and social distancing from the comfort of his jacuzzi. Uh. Now, in a video that features the governator lighting up a stogie and fanning himself in a bubbling hot tub, Arnold warns especially spring breakers to get their act together and stay home. He even tops off the video with, Put that cookie down! Just remember, stay at home, don't don't go to crowds. Put that cookie down! If that was any other celebrity... Telling me to do that from the comfort of their jacuzzi, I'd be like, is it alright for you to say whilst I'm stuck in my tiny room? Well, you're yes. In your mansion, in your jacuzzi, smoking your cigar outside with your sunglasses on, in your hot and lovely place. Mm. But because it's Arnie, don't mind. Really? Yes. Yeah, oh, that's good. Okay. I like him. <laughs> and he's, um, Arnie is always someone, like, especially in recent years, who has stood up for, like, the good of mankind. I don't know if you've noticed that. He quite often points yeah. out when people are doing naughty things and when yeah. people are doing good things. And, and he, he's in, he's in, always interested in the well-being of others. So, yeah. It's interesting that he's targeting spring breakers because uh, the... I don't want to get too on coronavirus, but uh, the people who aren't isolating, really, are the young people, the people who would be spring breaking. Right. Uh, it's not millennials because millennials is older so everyone who assumes millennials just means young person no wrong liars it's the generation Y no Z Z yeah they're the scum millennials are like in their 30s and 40s now they're the people with kids yeah Edgar Wright has written a heartfelt letter explaining to the world how despite the current conditions we can all find a way to support our local cinema and this is actually genius and a very good point Mm. Um, so he wrote a piece for Empire he said one way of showing your unwavering support um, for your local cinema um, is to buy a membership for yourself or someone close to you buy a membership keep paying the membership um, so you're talking your unlimited yeah and if you can afford to don't cancel your unlimited card or, or ask for your unlimited yeah, subscription yeah. don't get it cancelled um, you know you may you might not be able to go back to the cinema in the coming months but you'll feel better for having helped now than if you later found your sort of local church of cinema had been forced to close for good that's his words okay so that's a very good point I know um, you know it's a shame we can't support the more independent ones like the Broadway in such a way I don't know if they've got um, I don't think they have a membership but I'll tell you what who does have a membership and I would recommend anyone who can get to London to sign up and help support them is the Prince Charles Cinema the Prince Charles Cinema is essentially my church it is everything I always wanted in a cinema I wish I could go more often but travel is an issue but I have a lifetime membership there People should get a membership there. Mm. Give them money because they're in Leicester Square. 
they are quite small. They're going to need our support. Yeah. I'm sure they've got money saved up because they are notoriously famous and, and Edgar Wright goes there and everyone who's famous goes there. But, yeah. That money will run out very fast. It will. Prince Charles Cinema. Uh, look it up. If you support film or love film, yeah, get yourself signed up and keep supporting them. Movie fit and going on from that, uh, this is the dire condition of what the cinema industry is going is in at the moment. Uh, movie theater owners in the states have taken their woes to Congress, telling them that if they don't get financial relief soon, the entire industry will collapse due to COVID nineteen. Oh God! The situation is that dire," said John Fithian, president and CEO of the National Association of Theater Owners (NATO). <laughs> cool. <laughs> Talking to Variety, overnight we went from an industry that makes 15 billion a year, 11 billion in ticket sales, and 4 billion in concessions to one that is not going to make a penny for three or four months. And I mean, three or four months that could be being, I mean, it could be a lot more, really. So yeah. they're begging, you know, they're going to the government now to say, please give us money. So it's a dark time. I mean, it's a dark time for. For every kind of thing, for gyms, for hospitality, for bars, for clubs, um, but cinema, that's our kind of niche. Yeah. So it is sad to see that happening. And I mean, it's hard to see a way out. If they don't get support, it's literally just going to be Netflix yeah. and Disney+. Plus. I mean, if it, how devastating would it be if this killed off the cinema for good? I mean, it might. It's possible. It's very possible. Apart from your niche places, that's yeah. the thing. Um, the light in this darkness, perhaps the gift that keeps on giving throughout these awful times, is the movie Cats. <laughs> now, for those who have been following... <laughs> this um, is Rob's favourite topic. It is my favourite topic. <laughs> and um, We need to watch it, really. I think, can we watch it tonight? Maybe. <laughs> so, those of you, um, many of you out there will already have heard about the butthole cut. Um, the butthole cut is, in, you know, it's old news now. Legend has it that some CGI man on the production of Cats had to slap on 400 feline buttholes into the movie. Then another, different person had to remove all of them after someone inevitably had a glance at the result and yelled, Oh God, oh God, what have we done? What have we done? Um, Since this news came out, thousands have been begging for the release of the butthole cut. Seth Rogen and Rian Johnson are just two A-listers who have supported this crucial movement in cinematic history. Um, This is amazing. Cinema Blend has brought my attention to this tweet by Michael Tushhouse. So I just want to read this this out. Just imagine you worked your ass off to get through college to become a CGI artist. Eventually you land a job in Hollywood. And then one day you're hired to draw 400 cat buttholes. And then... Then someone comes along and erases all of your buttholes. That happens, and that's sad. Why? I don't understand. Can't they not have just control Z'd it? It's. Yeah, maybe. Well. Is it. <laughs> I'm trying to work out why the buttholes had to be there in the first place. Was it from a kind of furry esque fetish kind of. I think it was probably some weird idea of realism they decided to Yeah, try. realism. Um... But then they don't have nipples, do they? I think they have human nipples. I think they don't have um But surely we don't, we don't see lady nipples. I think cat lady I might nipples. be thinking of it wrong, but doesn't the female cats have like a a bosom? They've got human bosom. Yeah, they've got human bosom. They don't have the six. No, they don't have the six. No. Very easy to uh if <laughs> no, I'm not gonna say that. Oh 
Look at you know. Good for people who learn the piano, anyway. What's that? What? Well, it gets them excited. If you're good at piano... You're good at tweaking cat's nipples? Yeah, you can is that, is play that them all at once, can't you? Jesus, quarantine's already started having an effect on your brain? <laughs> um, on from the tweaking of cat nipples, that was Fortnite Schmort Nights. Yay! Thank you. Adam's Film Reviews. The Hunt, 2020. Sir. How about a glass of champagne? Perfect. Put on some weight. Put him in the back with the rest. Point and shoot. Everybody get down! I know what this is. It's Mannergate. Every year, these rich elites kidnap a bunch of normal folks like us. Where'd they get you from? Wyoming. Orlando. Mississippi. This is a real thing. They're hunting human beings for sport. Then you're not human beings. The Blumhouse Jamboree continues this week with another vague thriller in the form of The Hunt. Directed by Craig Zobel, no me neither, and written by Nick Kusikosi and Damon Lindelof. Ah, well, that explains it. Posed as a satire of the divide between left and right politics in America, The Hunt falls well short of the mark, despite some faintly funny lines and a smattering of decent action here and there. The story begins with a group of 12 strangers being dropped off in the middle of nowhere by a group of elitist champagne-swilling tycoons. Each of those who have been dropped off have no idea where they are or how they got there. All they know is they've been kidnapped, they're gagged, and they're in the middle of nowhere. It doesn't take long before the group find themselves huddled around a crate left in the middle of a clearing. Despite warnings, one of the strangers manages to pry the crate open, revealing guns. Lots of guns. As the strangers rush to arm themselves, they quickly become under attack from an unseen enemy, and we watch as the people fall one by one in a series of darkly comic, ultra-violent ways. As the survivors try to escape, the net widens, and we're soon introduced to the aloof and deadly Crystal, played by Betty Gilpin, whose sharp wit and ability allows her to survive. But as she gets closer to escaping, she begins to fight back, but as Crystal squares up against her unknown assailants, we begin to wonder why these individuals would be chosen, and, more importantly of all, we wonder who's going to survive the Battle Royale. The Hunt seems like a good idea, it really does. Like The Hunger Games, but with grown-ups, or The Purge, but with grown-ups. It really has everything you need for a satirical story posing opposite political ideals against each other. But what it lacks is the subtlety. You can tell a satirical story without tearing quotes straight off of Twitter. You can pose questions of morality without forcing yourself down a path of two-dimensional characters. I swear you can. I've seen it. Sadly, 
The hunt is a bit of a mess. Dark humour hits the spot here and there, but the moments that work are barely worth a chuckle between huge swathes of absolutely nothing. In fact, several of the jokes that were clearly hard-biting satire at the time of writing now feel outdated and cliché, with a lot of the action feeling underwhelming at best. Betty Gilpin's portrayal of Crystal feels charming, and though it may have been a deliberate choice, it left me wanting someone anyone to take her share of the scene away. Thankfully, Hilary Swank playing Athena, the film's main antagonist, oozed with sinister charm and the pair shared a genuinely awesome fight scene, though disappointingly bloodless. There isn't much more to say about the hunt, it all just sort of happens. I didn't really care for either side and by about halfway through, I just kind of wanted it to be all over. I'm going to rip you to pieces. We'll see. This is a wild game of survival. <laughs> so, one thing mm. that has been talked about in the news and social media quite a lot in the last couple of weeks um, is the fact that uh, production companies are releasing films on demand where they would otherwise be on in the cinema. Yes. There's been this has been bounced about a lot. I think Universal kickstarted it. Um, Disney have since followed up, and a couple of other companies as well. But the interesting thing is, it's very hard to find where they are. Right. Because I keep hearing about all these films that are on on demand. Uh, Sonic is one. I can't find that anywhere. Uh, Sonic will be out in a month, won't it? Right. Okay. So. Universal um, and Blumhouse, they've got The Hunt, The Invisible Man. Right. And actually, surprisingly, no Fancy Island. Not surprised, because it's rubbish. Um, They're the only ones I can find. And Emma, they're the only ones I can find. For us in the UK, you can actually get them on Amazon. Oh, wow. Um, But they cost £16 to rent. Okay, so it's like the trip to the cinema... I mean, but, they're obviously trying to pull back some money. Yeah. Um, but that's a lot of money. That is a lot. Especially for the hunt. They should have gone for nine ninety nine, maybe. Yeah. The Invisible Man, I mean, anyone who heard the review last time, oh, that's worth it. But still, that's the only ones I can find. Um, I know Onward is due to be released in Disney+. Plus, Right. Which is out tomorrow, uh, Tuesday the 24th. But it's very hard to find. It's a bit weird, really. It's like a, it's like the rumour mills just sparked up and I can't actually find any evidence for it. It's a shame there's nothing like truly like massive that's been delayed and we can't get their hands on it. Obviously, Bond has, but they're not going yeah, to give us that early, are they? And uh, Quiet Place 2 yeah. is going to be on my review list this week. Um, I suppose... It's good that they're putting them back because if there's anything to maybe revitalise people coming back to the cinema when it does, um, when all this does come to an end. I mean, that's we, true. We need yeah. some big blockbusters to drag people straight back. That might be the idea behind it, but obviously the the stuff that's this is stuff that's already out yeah. or is tailing off anyway. Um, Birds of Prey apparently is getting an early release. Bloodshot that's going to be on my review list as well. But yeah, so I think. Take the news about this with a pinch of salt, because actually, it's quite hard to find. Mm. Um, 
I really had to do some digging. Not even iTunes or Apple TV have any of these. So we'll follow up on this next time, I think. Yeah. Um, but yes. So if you can find anything that I can't, then do let us know. But anyway. But anyway. But anyway, yes. So that's the end of the show. We've waffled on another longer show today. Mm. Um, but yes, it's the start of a new chapter. And it think is. of it as misery. Think of it as the opportunity to write your book. Yeah. That's the moral of the story this time. Just think, you could use this time of um, um, solitude and um, incarceration to create the thing that makes you a multimillionaire. Yes, indeed. You, you never know. It can make you rich. Do it. Write. Be creative. Film if you if you can. Do do whatever your heart desires within the confines of your prison. I mean, if you're not even that creative, learn to cook a new dish. Try something different. Yeah. Um, read a new book. Why not? Yeah. Yeah. Do that. Cause... So that's yes. <coughs> oh no, dude. I tame one at once. Oh no. <laughs> Uh, this is um, next time we might be significantly less sane. Um, so just be aware of that. This is the beginning of our quarantine. Yeah. Um, I think if we do get if we do get quarantined, it, maybe we should do more regular shows. Yeah. We'll work something out. I think uh, if we are stuck in here, it might be interesting to see a sort of daily breakdown of what is happening to us. I agree. I agree. By all means, keep on looking at our social media. There will be some big news regarding quaggers soon. Oh, yes, indeed. So you can follow us at screen underscore bucket on Twitter. You can follow our sort of parent company at Hollowdale Media on Twitter and Instagram. Um, Also, if you do like what we do, do consider signing up to Patreon. Um, You can support us and our projects with as little as $2 a month. Um, you can find that at patreon.com slash Media. And if you're interested in getting some merchandise to, again, support us, um, do go to spreadshirt.com slash Um You find all the links on our website at hollowdalemedia.co.uk. And that's about it. Yeah. Stay safe, guys. Um, just social distancing where possible. And, yeah, st- uh, hope you're well. Keep well. Blah, blah, blah. Okay, see you later guys Uh, Stay safe and we'll see you in a fortnight See you in a fortnight Attackers can be stopped by removing the head Or destroying the brain I'll repeat that By removing the head Or destroying the brain